Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Joined by Jihei Wiley. Jihei, how are you? A lot better than yesterday, so that's all I'm going to say. And uh, obviously grateful for another Dodger win, even if it is against the Padres. I know. All right, with that said, <laughs> let's uh, let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now for the Sporting Tribune, Grant Mona. Grant, listen, tough uh, game one of the series against the Padres, but game two a little bit better. Uh, Grant, your thoughts on this Dodgers-Padres series so far? Yeah, uh, you know, game one, <laughs> kind of an epic collapse. Uh, let's just put it that way because that's what it was. Dodgers were up for, by five runs um, late in that game, and they kind of blow it there. Um, you know, they had Gavin Stone, which is one of their young arms, throw, and he he just he hasn't been it this year for them, and I, I think they, they kind of noticed that now. They kind of gave him one last chance. They just brought up um, Kyle Hurt, who pitched uh, in last night's game. He looked absolutely fantastic. He's one of their top prospects, a great young arm. Um, they're primarily going to use him out of the pen. He was a starter in AAA and AA this year, but they're going to try to use him as a kind of a long relief guy. He looked electric. I mean, he had everything working. He has an electric fastball that gets up to 97. He has a wipeout changeup that we saw. He went one, two, three in both the eighth and ninth. He got six up, six down in his debut, um, and he struck out the side in the ninth. He went through the meat of that Padres order, which is probably going to be worth $1 billion in, in total combined. Whoa. So he went through that that heart of that lineup um and, and the Stodger offense I mean they're, they're the ones that I can't really say much about it's really been about the pitching which has lost them some of these games I mean the, the offense has been just fine Freddie Freeman went four for five on his jersey giveaway night it was his birthday he had a two-run homer um Freddie Freeman's a superstar we know that we know what he brings we know what Mookie Betts brings um but a guy like Kike Hernandez, who they brought over at the trade deadline, he has been scorching hot. He is hitting over 350. Um, Chris Taylor has gotten it together as of late. I think he's hitting around 362 um, over his last 11 or 12 games. Uh, you know, they have some guys at the bottom at that bottom of the lineup that are just contributing in ways that I just did not see. Jason Hayward even is hitting 270 on the year. He looks like the version of Jason Hayward that our buddy Arm Armand saw with the Cubs. You know, so they're. they're kind of converting guys at that bottom of the lineup into just contact hitters getting guys over passing the baton to the stars and the offense is fine i'm not really worried about the offense what i'm worried the most about right now is the momentum because their magic number is five we kind of figure they're going to win the division here soon probably within the week or maybe even early next week the thing with them is just having that momentum going into the playoffs because last year they did not have it they 
went into that last series against, I believe it was the Rockies or maybe the Diamondbacks at the end of last year, and they got swept in a four-game series. And going into the playoffs, that's not what you want to see. You want to see momentum going into That's why the Padres and the Phillies were so good in the playoffs, because they kind of carried that into October. I'd really like to see that even when the Dodgers clinch this division, which I'm assuming they will, um, I want to see some momentum going into October. I think that's the biggest thing for them. Great. For people who haven't heard the name Kyle Hurt, then they probably will. Uh, tell us a little bit about him and why you were so excited to see the Dodgers call him up. Uh, well, well, first of all, he's a USC Trojan. There we go. Yeah, that, that's a you know fight on. So he he's um, you know he's kind of a, a, a local product, I guess you could say. Um, he was very good in the minor leagues. He had a 15K per nine, which is one of the best in all of the minor leagues, not just in his league in in that division. It was an all of the minor leagues so he has wipeout stuff um and i think you know maybe next year they'll probably convert him to a starter but right now i could see a scenario where clayton kershaw goes three or four innings maybe ryan yarbrough goes three or four innings and they bring in kyle hurt after that to kind of piggyback off of that much like they're using ryan yarbrough he has electric stuff like i said before he has a 95 to 97 mile per hour fastball his changeup what looked like a bugs bunny changeup i mean it was falling off the table he was getting um, the best hitters on the Padres out. You'll say what you want about the Padres this year. He was getting their best hitters out and with ease. And I know that teams are going to scout for him and teams are going to kind of see what he has. But if you have stuff like that in your first game, look, he arrived to Dodger Stadium at 645 last night. Wow. Dave Roberts didn't even <laughs> say hi to him. He just yeah. went straight to the bullpen and Dave Roberts said, hey, you're you're in. And that's the kind of guy he is. I mean, he looked like he was ferocious. He was tenacious. He had he was talking to himself on the mound. He looked a little mm -hmm. psychotic. Those psychotic bullpen arms are the guys you got to keep in the postseason. Those are the kind of guys that yeah. that win you games in the playoffs. Uh, wh where do you uh, stand on sort of uh, where the pitchers are at? Again, they they have um, not officially, but really um, unofficially turned the page on Julio Urias. Again, they gave. Uh, away his locker they've um hidden his mural and they really um really moved on from him so he's gone tommy john surgery for dustin may tommy john surgery for tony gonsolin shutting down walker bueller when it looked like he may come back a little bit early from tommy john surgery clayton kershaw may have hit a wall again just a, a lot of concerns with the pitching However, because of that, we're getting a glimpse of the of the young pitchers that I know you've been excited about, but probably your excitement was to see them next year or somewhere down the line. You're seeing them now. Where do you stand on the young pitchers going into the postseason? Yeah, I, I think it's going to have to be the young arms that carry them. I mean, it's, that's just what it, what it's trending towards. And Lance Lynn had a great start last night, and he, you know he's been up and down, right? He had the first four starts where he looked like a really good pitcher, like the guy we saw last year, and, you know, a Cy Young candidate almost. And then he had two really, really bad starts against good teams, the Braves and the Marlins. So you're saying, okay, if we look at the Braves and Marlins, and we're probably get, might play them in the playoffs, and we have Lance Lynn looking like this, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah. So you know, the young arms that I really love is obviously Bobby Miller. Bobby Miller is one of, is a fan favorite already. He has an electric arm. Um, he has wipeout stuff. He looks like Walker Bueller when Walker Bueller just came up. 
and Ryan Pepio. Ryan Pepio looks way different from what he was last year. Last year, he had a lot of struggles. This year, he had an oblique injury that sidelined him for a lot of the year. He's come back. He's had a great fastball. He's developed a great changeup, like I was talking about with Kyle Hurt. They have kind of similar changeups, but Ryan Pepio looks like he could be maybe even the two guy. I know they're probably going to go with probably Kershaw, then Bobby Miller, then Lance Lynn, then probably Ryan Pepio. But in my opinion, I think you should let Bobby Miller go one, go Ryan Pepio two, and then Kershaw three. Because Kershaw, you know, like you said, he kind of hit a wall. You know, his shoulder is not right. I think we all know that. They, You know, Dave Roberts has said that. Clayton Kershaw has said that himself. That it's just not going to be right for the rest of the year. So do you want to take that risk of throwing him in a game one and, and, you know, maybe ruining that opportunity? I don't know. In my opinion, you should let the young proven arms go. And we're going to have to see more from Ryan Pepio, obviously. But having young arms in there is not a bad thing. If you see enough in the regular season like right now in this home stretch where you can say okay well he's getting guys out consistently why not throw Bobby Miller and Ryan Pepe a one and two and then have Ryan Yarbrough piggyback with Clayton Kershaw or some some sort of, of combination like that I don't mind it I think that's what they're just going to have to do because Lance Lynn and Kershaw haven't really proven themselves as guys that can last long and and also they you know Lance Lynn has given up many home runs over these past couple appearances so there's a lot of ifs still. It's not solidified. There's nothing that's going to be, you know, as solid as it was last year or in any of these other playoff runs. But I think having the young arms throw is is really good, especially in, in a year that we said, oh, this is going to be a retool year. Why not throw them in the playoffs? Let's just see what they got. Switching gears, uh, Grant, again, we uh, talked a lot about before the first week of the NFL season, you know, where do the Rams go? Do they tank for Caleb Williams? Or do they try, you know, to kind of figure out a way to make it back into the postseason? Again, you don't want to read too much into week one. But my goodness, not only do they go into Seattle and beat the Seahawks, they absolutely wipe the floor with them in the second half. I mean, when you look at the numbers statistically, I don't know the last time a Pete Carroll coach Seattle team got outplayed and outmanned in the second half. That way, again, you go back to USC, Pete Carroll's teams are, are, are a very good second-half team. Great. I, listen, they may get brought back down to earth this Sunday at SoFi Stadium going up against San Francisco. But, my God, for one week, that felt pretty darn good. Oh, yeah, that that was a win that I did not expect. I mean, you guys have been hearing me talk about this team for a while now, even in the offseason. I've always said that they have some things that you can kind of point to and say, all right, well, you know, they have some some spots where you can look at and, and say, yeah, that guy's pretty good. This guy's pretty good, but nothing in, in totality, nothing as a whole. And everything came together in week yeah. one, everything. You know, we didn't see Matthew Stafford in the preseason. We didn't see Aaron Donald in the preseason. We didn't see some guys in the preseason. So there were those unknowns going into week one and then when they put it all together and you have a coach like Sean McVay which I underestimated um, still even after all the success he's had I underestimated him he coached around Pete Carroll I mean that was crazy him and Raheem Morris together seemed like a great combo they used the running game a little bit more with that new OC LaFleur that they got from the Jets um their offense looked elite. And I, as long as the offensive line keeps Matthew Stafford in that pocket and healthy and upright, I think that this can be a trend. Now they are playing the 49ers who absolutely destroyed the Steelers in week one. And they, 
you know, by all accounts, look like the best team in the NFL right now. And I, I, I would have to agree with that. Um, and the Niners have always had success against Sean McVay and the Rams, even when they were on that Super Bowl run. The Niners beat them twice, not in the NFC Championship, but in the regular season. So you have that going against you. You're at home. This is a home opener. It's going to be probably 60-40 Niner fans. This is usually yeah. how it is. Um, I will be at that game probably surrounded by red. Um, <laughs> but... For the Rams, I think you just got to wait and see. Uh, yeah, it's a great week one. Sure, we're, we're very happy, you know, and, and a lot of Rams fans are. They're happy to see this team compete and be at that level to a Seahawks team that a lot of people said would be at the top of the NFC West yeah. or maybe even a wild card team. To go out there in week one on the road in that environment and do that is very special, but... There's a lot of games left, and you there's a gauntlet ahead of you. You have to play the Niners, the Bengals, the Eagles, and that's just in the first six weeks you have to play those teams. It's not going to be easy, and look, I expect the Niners to win in a close one. I don't think it's going to be a blowout like a lot of people are going to say, but I think the Niners do take it. They just have more talent on offense and on defense as a whole. Um, but I, I expect this Rams team to claw and fight and scratch in every game that they play. They're not going to lay down. A lot of people said that they were going to tank. I thought maybe they would, but I don't. I just don't see it with, with this team the way they're talking the way uh you know guys are talking in the locker room i just don't see that happening yeah no grant i couldn't agree with you more i mean aaron donald um was known to have talked in week one to his guys and be like they don't think we're going to do anything they they're you know uh, they they basically think that we're done. They think that we're finished. They think that you know this team is is set in stone and the, the all the L's are coming our way. So mm. he definitely fired up that locker room and that defense, which I was in shock over. Yeah. I thought you know Donald was going to be the only one that basically showed up. But I want to go mm. to the offense like you talked about for the Rams and uh, talk about this kid. Oh yeah. I mean, oh yeah. You can't even like words cannot describe how happy I am that the Rams have him um, mm -hmm. and that they just have a talent in this kid. How far do you think he's going to go? Because I also um, have amazing odds for him to win rookie of the year, um, like uh, rookie uh, offensive player of the year. So um, I was wondering your thoughts on this kid again, now that we've finally seen him in real life time. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've been talking about, you guys know this, I've been talking a, a, a lot about Puka Nakua, and I've been talking a lot about Tutu Atwell, but Puka Nakua to me was one of those guys that I just thought was going to be solid. I didn't expect a 10 catch for 100 and whatever it was yard game. Obviously, I don't think anybody predicted that, but when Cooper Cup went down and you have a guy like Puka Nakua that's basically just a clone of Cooper Cup, he's basically like the heir to the throne of Cooper Cup. Um, that's the way they used him as well. They were going to the middle of the field a lot um you know he dropped his first pass and then after that you kind of just saw something clicking in where it's like okay i can't do that anymore and matthew stafford was finding him like he was cooper cup that chemistry that they had that's what they didn't have last year in that off season was was matthew stafford was injured he had that elbow injury he didn't throw to a lot of guys in training camp and in uh, otas so he didn't really have that chemistry built with alan robinson some of the new guys that they brought in this year they did you know puka nakua was there all training camp all 
all of OTAs um, after they drafted him uh, in Tutu Atwell as well. They built that chemistry, and that's what you saw. I mean, there was a throw that Matthew Stafford made on a third and eight that was under duress. He threw it. He kind of just slingshotted it to the sidelines, and Puka Nakua wasn't even in the picture yet, and the ball was right in his hands for a sideline catch, a huge third down conversion, um, and that's just kind. That just kind of shows you how much better the chemistry is with Stafford and the wide receivers this year. Is that you can just throw balls to a spot and they will be there. Puka Nakua is excellent after the catch. He made a few catches where they were tough in in traffic, and then he kind of you know diverted and got a few yards after that. This isn't just a one-off thing. This is what people have to understand. This isn't just, okay, oh, it was week one. Let's throw it out. No. Puka Nakua is going to be an integral part of this offense this year. And same with Tuto Atwell. These guys are going to be, even when Cooper Cup comes back, which I'm assuming he will after that week four, they are still going to be an integral part of this offense because they need them. I mean, after Cooper Cup, you, you're going to have to have Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell be the wide receiver two and three. I'm so happy for the guy because he's so humble. He seemed like he was so happy um, to be a part of that offense. And and I think he's going to be a really, he might even be their wide receiver one over Van Jefferson this week. I mean, that's how good he was in week one. I love yeah. it. Right. I mean, Jihei, real quick, how fun is yeah. it to say the names of the wide receivers for the Rams? <laughs> Dude, it's right so now. cool. Tutu Atwell, Puka Nakua. I mean, <laughs> thank their parents, man. Those, those names are those names are epic. They're um, already they're I, already calling. Sorry, I want to say they're already calling uh, Puka Nakua Pukachu. So we already got that. Oh, that's that kinda, cute. Yeah, that's so. adorable. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think my only concern for Puka is that the ability to sustain hits because he did come out yes. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I think that's my only main concern. I don't know if you have any other concerns with Puka. Yeah, yeah. He, I think uh, Sean McVay said that he had a rib contusion. So because he was getting hit a lot, like you said, I mean, he had a, a couple blows to the head and he had, you know, he took some big hits. That's the kind of thing, you know, with Cooper Cup and him, those slot guys where, you know, you're going to be in traffic a lot and you're going to be in the middle of the field. You're going to get hit. So it is something that there is a concern there. There was a concern a few times where he came off the field like, oh, no, another injury. But thankfully, this Rams team you know, escaped with no injuries, even on the offensive line. Joe Noteboom had a, a high ankle sprain, but he, I think he'll be okay. They said he's going to probably start again next this this coming week. So the Rams, you know, last last year, week one, everybody's hurt. I think, you know, three offensive linemen got hurt. There were some defensive yeah. guys that got hurt. What a change from, you know, what a difference a year makes, as people say. Because <laughs> after week one, it, everyone escaped healthy. And I, I hope that that stands because this team can be pretty good if they're healthy. Now, Real quick, uh, the, the San Francisco game, you expect it to be another one of those um, all red uh, type of like, attitudes? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, for, for, for Niner fans, they always get up for this game. You know, it, every time you play the Rams, Niner fans are going to show up in L.A. That's just how it is. It's a melting pot of NFL teams here in L.A. That's just how it's going to be. Um, you know, there was no solidified team for many years here, so you kind of had... You know, fans from different teams in this area, you know, for the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Niners, whatever it may be. 
it's going to be a lot of red. That's just how it is. I mean, but for the Rams, they already showed, you know, if you want to say it this way, they already showed that they can go into a hostile environment and <laughs> win in week one. I hate to say that their home stadium is going to be a hostile environment. I will do my best to make sure that it's, it's uh, you know, as good of an environment for them as possible because I will be there uh, up at the top, but I will be there trying to scream them on. Um, but, you know, it, it is going to be Niners. It's going to be, uh, what do they call it Levi's South as Niner fans like to say it, it's, it's true I, I hate to admit it but it is but these rivalry games are awesome that's what I love to see about it these rivalry games are something that I love to go see yeah no I mean they're they are amazing I really hope that you know Rams fans do show up a little bit more um, by the way that top um, the top floor of SoFi by the way I think is probably the best because you actually have a one like you can go all the way around I As agree. opposed to like down below, like the closer you are, the more you have to like kind of, I don't want to say suffer, but like the more, more you have to like go up and down and to the side or whatever to get whatever yeah. you need um, outside of, you know, sitting in your actual seat. Um, I think this is like the last question. We only have like a couple minutes or a minute or two or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, Grant wanted to know, um, do you think they cover? Do you think that they, um, you said that they were going to compete. Yeah. Um, do you do you think that the offense maybe is still going to be at that level that they were yeah. with Seattle? Yeah, I mean the the spread. I think it's the the, the line is eight. So I, yeah. I expect the Rams to cover because I think it'll be a three to seven point game. I think it'll be a one score game. This team is going to compete. Um, now <laughs> the the Niners' defensive line is really good, so they may get to yeah. Stafford more than the Seahawks did. But in general, I think this team will not quit. They're not going to lay down and just have the Niners run all over them. This is a team that has some moxie. It has some fight. It has some toughness. So I expect the Rams to be in this, even if they're down at the half i expect them to in the second half just fight and claw like they did in week one that's just how i see it yeah it, it, it should be a great game like you said grant like anytime you have a rivalry game like this and the spreads more than seven like i like going for the, certainly the home team but um to your point you made a great point when we looked at the roster and we looked at who they lost and and what they did we kind of forgot about Sean McVay. You know, Sean McVay didn't lose it. You know, Sean McVay was, was was kind of put in a tough situation a year ago. He's still one of the best coaches in the league. There's a reason why his coaching tree is what it is. Uh, so I think we'll we'll see this year how great of a coach Sean McVay is. Grant, you're the best. Uh, we'll uh, have you back on next week. Um, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined uh, by another great member of the Sporting Tribune, Michael Matthew, when we come back right here. On the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clown with the underground when we come around. 
Welcome back to the Ross Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 716 Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline. And joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Michael Matthew. Michael, how are you? Man, doing pretty good. Just, you know, very excited that football is back. And, you know, we got some some crazy news with the NBA, so I'm excited. We definitely do. Let's start with the National Football League. You were to call them in the Sporting Tribune. Uh, no Cooper, no Cooper Cup, no problem. Uh, I think everyone's very uh, excited about the way that the team performed in Week One. Uh, we'll see how they do now coming back home. First game at SoFi Stadium this season against San Francisco. But what did you see from Seattle that maybe leads you to believe that this is not just a one-game thing? Man, just to see how, you know, Matthew Stafford looked out there. Matthew Stafford was, he looked like himself. You know, he looked help, healthy. That elbow looked uh, really good. And some receivers stepped up big time, uh, you know, for the Rams. And, you know, Aaron Donald looks like Aaron Donald. Uh, a lot of the young players stepped up. So I'm just not sure if, you know, like if, if this is what we're going to see. So with the Rams, you're going to have to take it uh, week by week basis. Uh, because, you know, he, man, the, the team just looks very impressive. And I love what, you know, Sean McVay is doing so far with, when it comes to week one. Your thoughts now going into the first home game of the season against San Francisco. Again, the, the, you know, San Francisco is favored to win the division. One of the favorites to uh, perhaps play in the Super Bowl this season. This will be, and again, I, I won't knock them if they lose this game, but what can this game do as a barometer? Because again, great, great week one, certainly going on the road and doing what they did against the Seahawks. How big is this game? What can not just a win, but if, 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 if it's a tight game that comes down to like a field goal, what can that do for the confidence of the team? Man, I just think that, you know, the more this team wins, the more confident they're going to be. Um, you know, coming in, there wasn't really major expectations for uh, these guys. So I think just the more victories that they're able to pick up, the more excited that, you know, the players are going to be. They have vets. They have, you know, as long as they have Donald in defense, as long as they have, you know, Matthew Stafford at quarterback, I think that this team will find ways to believe in themselves. You know, the surprising uh, result maybe of, of of week one, or per perhaps it's not surprising if you've been following them for the past few years, I think everyone thought that the Chargers could kind of figure things out on the defensive end, you know, find a way to close out games. I mean, those were the two big things. When you looked at the Chargers coming into the season, you know, how are they going to do defensively? And how are they going to do late in games? If it's a tight game, one possession game, if they have the lead, how are they going to close out? And they really failed on both fronts. Wanted to get your thoughts on that, you know, again, do you believe that, that that's sort of like a one-week operation? And I hate even, like, asking that because, of course, this is something that they've dealt with for quite some time. So your thoughts on their uh, first week, their week one loss to the Dolphins? Man, I just believe that, you know, with that defense with so many players and so many names there on that defensive roster that you expect better than to give up 200 yards to – Tyreek Hill and, yeah. you know, the big game to Tua. So 
I think that, you know, Justin Herbert did his part. You know, the offense were able to put up 30 points. If you'd have told me coming in that they were going to score that many points, I would have said, oh, they're going to find a way to win that game. So I think defensively they have to figure things out and do it ASAP. Now uh, with them going on the road to Tennessee, going to Nashville, uh, you know, how big is this for them to right the ship? Again, when you look at their uh, first half of the season, their schedule, certainly the first, you know, six or seven games, it led you to believe they could maybe start the season six and one or five and two. How big is this game? This game is going to be huge you know, because I think that, you know, the AFC West is going to be a solid division this year. You're chasing the Chiefs always, you know. The uh, the Chiefs are going to uh, be a team that's going to pick it up, even though they suffered a defeat uh, week one. So I just think that the Chargers have to get these victories early. You know, the first four weeks are, are very important when it comes to the NFL and that they have to find a way to keep pace because the AFC is dangerous. So many good teams. Um, you know, in each division that, you know, if, if you fall behind early, it can be the difference between you being in the playoffs and not. What was the biggest surprise for you in week one? Uh, like we just touched on, I think the Rams beating Seattle, that, that, that was a surprise. Uh, perhaps not a surprise for the Dolphins to beat the Chargers, but uh, what was the biggest surprise for you uh, following the first week of the season? The biggest surprise for me was, other than the Rams, you know, that that was you know, big time, you know, going on the road there against the 12th man and for them to pick up that that victory against Seattle was probably the biggest upset of the week. But uh, the Cleveland Browns, yeah. like, what they did to Joe Burrow, um, you know, Burrow throwing, what, only about 80 yards, um, you know, the, the interceptions and how that defense looked. Man, if Deshaun Watson can be Deshaun Watson, the Browns are going to be very dangerous in the NFL. So th that was my biggest surprise uh, with, with week one. You know, because that, that got me to thinking when I say, you know, don't read too much in a week one. I mean, Joe Burrow just signed the biggest contract in league history, and everyone's thinking that Cincinnati's going to be some, uh, you know, Super Bowl contender this year because Joe Burrow finally has somewhat of an offensive line. And then he just has the worst game of his career. So, again, I, I think we, we, we need to pause and take a breath before we kind of read too much into what happens following the first week of the season. We're three weeks deep into the college football season, and uh, USC this week gets a uh, quick breather uh, before they get into the meat of their schedule. Um, what have you uh, thought about the Trojans? Again, you've been at the Coliseum for uh, these games uh, not that these games were expected to be close, but the defense has improved every week. I know you're going from San Jose State uh, to Nevada to Stanford. That being said, shoot, I, I, I've seen this team give up a ton of yards and a ton of points to teams regardless of who they are. What have you liked about USC through the first three games of the season? Man, of course, you know, Caleb being Caleb, uh, you know, he's he's amazing. That The weapons that he has is amazing. So they're going to score a bunch of points uh, for them just to see their defense perform. Um, Bear Alexander, that guy is a beast up front, making, uh, you know, causing havoc on all of the quarterbacks and the running games they face so far. But I've been very uh, impressed by the secondary. I think that the secondary is making some good plays, not allowing anything big to happen. Uh, keeping everything in front of them. So, you know, if 
if the defense can keep it up, they haven't really had a test yet. I don't think their first test won't be maybe until possibly Colorado, which is going to be coming up very soon. But, man, if the defense can continue to to improve and get better week in and week out, even Lincoln Rocker talks about how impressive uh, the defense has been. So just if the back end can be successful, I think that this team can, you know, do a lot of big things. Jihei? Yeah, Mikael, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. Um, appreciate you a lot. You mentioned Colorado being possibly the first contender of the season for them. Um, what do you think that their odds are as far as the defense being able to shut down that offense in um, Prime and his his son and his just two way players? I mean, I don't I don't want to say this came out of nowhere because I took the over on the games total for Colorado at three and a half, so I had faith in Prime. Not like everybody else, <laughs> but, but, you know, um, what do you think? I mean, these guys are going to contend, especially on that offensive, um, end for Colorado. So what do you think? Um, how do you think the defense will do for USC? Man, to be honest, I I'm not really sure, you know, because they haven't truly been tested as of yet. So I think that's going to be a game that we're going to see what Colorado is really about. And we're going to see what, you know, USC's defense is really about. But it's going to be a tough matchup because there's so many weapons there in Colorado. Uh, Sanders at quarterback is playing Caleb Williams like, you know, with the things that he's doing that, you know, it's going to be a very, very interesting game. SC is going to be lucky. Because I believe that Colorado is going to be coming off of an Oregon matchup first. So, you know, they may, Colorado may possibly get exposed a little in that game to better prepare USC, but it's going to be a tough, tough matchup for both teams. And I am so excited to see Prime versus Lincoln Riley. So, we have big news from the National Basketball Association today. And I still don't know how they're going to enforce this, but basically the league is coming out and saying, listen, we, we, we allowed you guys to do load, load management for long enough. If you have two stu superstars, uh, two superstars on your team, you can only bench or sit one down. Again, a slippery slope here because, uh, you know, what if, I mean, the Clippers, uh, are praying that they have both of their guys available and that they are, um, gonna sit one down uh, again during the postseason. Both of those guys were gone. How does the league do this? I mean, uh, do you again, like as a fan, I'm happy that the league is trying to do something, but my, but my, but, but my, I don't know how they can enforce this. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see because, you know, people are going to try to bend the rules. So they're going to try to find ways around it. Do you rest one star player one game and then rest the other? Like, I don't know exactly how this is going to look, but I'm just happy that a policy is put into place because, you know, like you said, as also a fan to see, you know, these star players sitting out games, you pay your money and do all these things to show up and you show up and last minute, no LeBron. No AD, no PG, no Kawhi. It's very disappointing. So it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to kind of like implement this policy. Um, but I'm just happy that it's there, you know. Is there something that you think that the league can do that makes sense, though? I mean, because uh, the, 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 the pushback that they're getting is from their uh, TV partners. And I actually get that. You know, I mean, TNT saying, hey, like, we're trying to put a schedule together. 
do you believe that there's something that the league can do? Because I, I personally think that they're trying their best, but there's really nothing that they can do to force these players to play. Man, I guess maybe the closest thing I was thinking about when this was announced was like kind of what the NFL does, how they make sure that every practice you you have your injury reports and things like that that you have to put out every day. You know, for the NBA, it's going to be tough yeah. because it's, it's Monday through Sunday. Um, so they're going to have to put out something every day. So if a guy wasn't on the injury list with an actual injury that, you know, this guy has to show up and play. So it, it's going to be very tough. But we know that the NBA is a player-driven league. So the players find ways to get their way. But I think the best thing you can do is like, hey, you have to report everything. And if a guy isn't on the injury report, he can't be sitting out of game. Jihei, I have to loop you in on this because I, I want to get your thoughts as a Clippers fan and as someone who tries to make it out to like a handful of games. Your thoughts on the league trying to do something here because and where I sympathize with them is not just from the TV partner perspective, but also for that fan who is you know only going to get to go to one or two games per year. And they go to that one game, and we've seen these 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 fans in the stands say, "I traveled this far to see so and so play." And then it's not that that player is hurt; is that they're taking that night off because of load management. Gia, your thoughts on what the league is trying to do here? I applaud the league. <laughs> I I think you know, good for you for trying. I think if they hurt their bottom dollar, their bottom line, uh, because that's what the league is trying to do right now, right? They're trying to obtain. Yeah. And keep these contracts going with these television networks or these streaming services or whatever, however you're getting your <laughs> your game. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. This is going to be hard. I, it, this is going to be really difficult if they don't, you know, find them. I, I think that would be your only. But how are you going to find them and what? how much are you yeah. going to find them? And who, you know, who's going to get fined? Is it going to be your star? Is it going to be, you know, um, the actual team said team, like who's going to, who are you going to, I don't know. This is going to be really, really hard for the league to do, but um, I do applaud them for doing it. Not only from a fan standpoint, but I think also just as just in general, the, it's ruining the game for me. Um, I think it's also because I'm watching a lot of old school sports. Um, you know, I'm, I'm watching Showtime. I'm watching documentaries on, Magic and Larry and their rivalry and watching, you know, Jordan and the Detroit Pistons and their rivalry and how they just played every game and they played it to the death. So I just, it's really kind of frustrating to see that kind of basketball and it's not translated over into today's basketball. And it's a different game and I get yeah. that. I'm not saying it's not, but um, it is kind of frustrating just from a fan base um, that I've grown accustomed to or used to, used to have. So um, I applaud the league for doing this. I really hope that, you know, it comes to fruition and things actually happen, but yeah, this is going to be tough to enforce, but I do agree with Mikael, Mikael that, you know, maybe you have to do an IR um, report and just be like, Hey, these are the guys that were definitely not playing. Uh, this is one said star. And also I'm assuming that the definition of the star player would be your starter. Correct. So it's not a starter, apparently a star. And again, it, this only goes to teams with a star player. But a, a, yeah. a star player is uh, the NBA is defining a star player as someone who's made the all-star or all-NBA team in uh, in one of the past three seasons. So, um, yeah, listen, if you if you 
been named the dead all-star during the past three seasons, then, um, then you would fall under that. Yeah. Listen, I do love the fact that the league is trying to do something here to what extent that they can prevent it is good, is going to be hard to do real quick. I'll, I'll just read a, a line here from uh, the story uh, from Woj. Uh, the NBA Board of Governors on Wednesday voted to approve new rules, strength, strengthening resting policy rules and punishments for star players that include national TV games, in-season tournament, which is just new this season, and sitting out multiple um, All-Stars together in, regu- in regular season games. So again, what they want to have happen is, you know, what, what which is what has happened to the Clippers. And also what has happened towards the end of the season, you know, when you lock up a playoff berth or you lock up a seating and you want to sit the entire team down, you can't have something like that happen. Uh, want to get your guys' thoughts on as well. Because of the the, uh, the Achilles injury to Rodgers, there's been a lot of talk now about turf and whether the league should at some point do away with uh, turf. Again, it's a little bit harder when you're a dome facility. But, Michael, really uh, quickly from you, uh, thoughts on the league doing away with turf? I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, but your thoughts on that? Man, yeah, I think that the league needs to let the turf thing go, man, because, you know, just some terrible injuries that you're seeing on it. Yeah. But I know that the NFL is, you know, big fans of the turf. And you're even seeing it, you know, at the high school level as well. So it's just a part of the game. And I think I saw uh, someone post a, um, like a stat on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it today, yeah. that, um, you know, that the numbers are kind of the same. So we're going to see the turf um, and it sucks, but I will hope that they go to the grass. But I just think that. You know, it's going to be up to the teams. Like, what, what do you decide to do? I know there at uh, Arrowhead Stadium there in Kansas City, they're like, we're doing the, the natural gra- grass. It works best uh, there. But, you know, here and even in L.A., you know, you have like some of the, the turf. So it's going to be up to the teams. Uh, the players are going to have to continue to, to talk about their dislikes of it. And maybe, you know, in the next CBA, they can talk about it. But as of now, players are going to have to deal with it. G.A., your, your thoughts on this. Again, you're a Giants fan. Uh, the Giants and the Jets clearly uh, prefer turf because you'll you'll have a, a Giants game on a Sunday, for example, like you did, and a Jets game on a Monday. That ex- that, that is exactly what happened during week one of the season, and it happens quite often. Uh, so it's very simple for them to take out the Giants turf and put in the uh, Jets turf and vice versa. Gee, hey, will we will we see the league ever do away with turf completely? So here's my issue is that I 100% agree with Miguel. I am anti-turf. I love what Kansas City does. I think that nobody should be playing on turf. I think everybody should be playing on uh, natural grass. Um, there's studies even out there about synthetic turfs and how bad it is for um, every player um, from the high school level, maybe even like the peewee level, if you play on that, um, all the way, obviously, into the pro level. Um, as far as it happening, it's it, it's really a business decision, right? It's all, unfortunately, everything comes down to the almighty dollar, and that's why um, turf is still always going to be around, which is really unfortunate because I wish that the health of people would be priority versus the um, 
the the money the bottom line the bottom dollar or whatever but um yeah unfortunately i wish that there was just a healthier alternative for uh right for it so um if they can come up with something healthier like there are healthier versions of turf or something that um they can do that'd be great um but yeah i don't see it going away anytime soon specifically because of money which is sad I mean, they have, they have, turf has evolved. The turf that they have now is 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 much safer than, than it used to be. At the end of the day, it's still turf. It's still synthetic. Yeah. It's not grass. It's not dirt. So we'll see if at some point they do away with it. I don't think it'll happen anytime soon, unfortunately. But I'm, I'm with you guys 100, 110%. I hope the league moves on from it. All right, Michael, thanks so much, my friend. We will have you back on next week. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.